You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Breaking details tonight in a shooting on the North Shore. I hit is now taking the lead in the investigation. The victim, a woman shot in broad daylight, is now on life support. Our Nadia Stewart is live in North Van with more on this. Nadia, this happened in a very busy area. Yeah, that's right, Sophie, and we're being told this was not a random shooting. The police are not yet telling us more about the victim or who the potential suspect might be. I heard about something, somebody got shot. This back alley in North Vancouver, the scene of a tragic shooting. Witnesses say it unfolded quickly. Just heard a couple of pops. I just saw a guy taking off in a SUV. It happened just after 11 this morning in the 1100 block of Lonsdale Avenue. People in the area called police after hearing gunshots. Yes, sir. Well, I heard the gunshots Yeah. and I came out and I kind of, I didn't even really know it was gunshots because I thought it was maybe the construction site. Police rushed to the scene only to discover a woman had been shot. She was taken to Lionsgate Hospital where she is now on life support. At one point this afternoon, officers could be seen at Lionsgate Bridge, but police still aren't saying much about their investigation. One of the investigational steps we take in situations like this, as in many other um, uh, crimes that happen, is to try to um, see if we can stop a person who might be leaving a scene and that involves sometimes blocking roads or bridges or things like that. The integrated homicide investigation team has now been called in. Meanwhile, people who live in this typically quiet neighborhood are still trying to make sense of what happened here. This is terrible how it's now hit North Vancouver. Um, in broad daylight. In broad daylight. This is absolutely ridiculous. Now, there were people around in the area when this happened, so the appeal now is for witnesses. Anyone who heard or saw anything is being asked to contact Prime Stoppers. Back to you. Nadia Stewart in North Vancouver. Nadia, thank you. Now to Surrey, where a gangland shooting and multi-vehicle crash has ended in five arrests and two people going to hospital. Grace Key has more on the mayhem and how witnesses jumped into action. Cell phone video captures the frantic scene after a gangland shooting ends in a three-car collision in Surrey's Guilford area. Before police arrived, neighbors sprang into action, stopping one suspect from running off. The kid in the Honda Civic tried to flee the scene, and a bunch, I was talking to a bunch of guys, they all took him down hard. And uh, he says, you're, they tried to jump the fence over there, and they said, this is dodgy, you're not going anywhere. They all took him down. It all started at about 9 o'clock Monday evening. People reported hearing shots fired by 153rd Street and 102A Avenue, and then a blue sedan speeding from the area. Minutes later, 911 calls came pouring in of a serious three-car crash just a few blocks away. We felt like boom and it felt like something because my body was on the floor so I could feel it so it must have been the impact of that car and then a woman said listen there's someone who's got a gun who's run and then the police arrived and they had their guns drawn so we were, like got back in the house. And all I heard was uh, one of the cops saying, yeah, keep your hands up, get your hands up. The gray Dodge Charger that crashed into a home and blue Honda Civic were directly involved in the shooting. The silver SUV was parked with no one inside. Two men were rushed to hospital, one with an apparent gunshot wound and the other with crash-related injuries. Three others were taken into custody. 
Police don't believe there was an exchange of gunfire between the cars, but rather someone inside one of the vehicles opened fire. And as well, firearms have been located um, at the scene of those collisions. It's early in the investigation, but police believe this was a targeted incident that's related to the ongoing Lower Mainland gang conflict. Grace Key, Global News. Now, breaking details in a major development connected to the SNC-Lavalin controversy. MPs Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott have been removed from the Liberal caucus. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on today's developments. Keith, take us through what happened this afternoon. Yeah, day of high drama on Parliament Hill, uh, Sophie, with events leading up to what was going to be a showdown uh, caucus meeting uh, between uh, the two uh, ex-ministers and the Liberal caucus. And just before that meeting uh, was set to begin, this tweet appeared from Jody Wilson-Raybaugh, a bombshell announcement by her saying, I have just been informed by the Prime Minister of Canada that I am removed from the Liberal caucus and as the confirmed Vancouver Granville candidate for the Liberal Party of Canada in the 2019 federal election. More to come. We'll have more on her other tweets uh, in a bit. But of course, events moved quite quickly on Parliament Hill. Uh, we tried to catch up to Jody Wilson-Raybould, as did other members of the media for a while. She did not want to talk publicly to the cameras. Uh, but again, uh, it didn't take long for the Prime Minister to address that caucus meeting and the media, basically explaining both of those women are out of the caucus, uh, among other things, for that secret taping of the clerk, uh, the chief clerk of the Privy Council, as well as the, his view that these two were basically engaged in a civil war and just could not be part of of the team anymore. They weren't supporting the team, so they're off the team itself. Here's the Prime Minister. I made the difficult decision to remove Ms. Wilson-Raybould and Dr. Philpott from the Liberal caucus. We've taken every effort to address their concerns. But ultimately, if they can't honestly say that they have confidence in this team, despite weeks of testimony, face-to-face -face conversations and phone calls with myself and other members of caucus, then they cannot be part of this team. If a politician secretly records a conversation with anyone, it's wrong. When that politician is a cabinet minister secretly recording a public servant, it's wrong. And when that cabinet minister is the Attorney General of Canada secretly recording the clerk of the Privy Council, it's unconscionable. So strong words from the Prime Minister. Wilson Raybould yet to comment to the media, but she did offer two more tweets. She says, I will take the time to reflect and talk to my supporters about what happens next. And she added further with a, with a second tweet, uh, talking again about her constituents, uh, a message to them. I have no regrets. I spoke the truth, as I will continue to do. So quite dramatic <laughs> events, Sophie, on Parliament Hill today. Definitely, Keith. What's been the political reaction to the uh, PM's decision today? Well, both opposition parties, of course, condemning Trudeau for this uh, move to uh, get rid of those two disaffected cabinet ministers. It's interesting, of course, they were harsh critics of those two cabinet ministers until they broke with their prime minister. Now they're, they're champions of those two, and we'll see if Wilson-Raybould, whether she runs again as an independent or joins another party come the fall. All right, Keith, thanks for that. All right. It's been 12 years since the suspicious disappearance of an Abbotsford mother of three. Candace Shipley was last seen in Surrey on the night of April 1st, 2007,
1995 green Pontiac was spotted in the area of 102 Avenue and 150th Street earlier that evening. At the time, police said it was highly unusual that a mother of three would not return home. The investigation was later turned over to IHID, who believes Shipley met with foul play. Investigators are renewing their plea tonight for anyone with information to contact them. And tomorrow will mark the 10th anniversary of the murder of Wendy Ladner Beaudry. Ladner Beaudry was killed while jogging through Pacific Spirit Park. A hiker found her body not far from her home on a trail near Camosun Street and Southwest Marine Drive. Tomorrow, RCMP major crimes, along with the Ladner Beaudry family, will be holding a news conference where it's expected a reward for tips leading to an arrest will be renewed. We are learning more tonight about the suspect in a string of disturbing incidents that forced the evacuation of Langara College. 23-year-old Nazruddin Abdusamad Ali is now charged in connection with a suspicious fire and the discovery of a number of incendiary devices at the school. Tanya Beja reports. Restoration crews spend the day dealing with the damage. Offices on at least two floors of Langara's Science and Technology Building are waterlogged and covered in debris after multiple fires Monday. Classes in the building won't be happening this week. Exams that were scheduled to begin there uh, this weekend are being relocated elsewhere. Police say a suspect walked into the building just before noon carrying several improvised incendiary devices. There's flammable materials. Um, one or at least one of them did have some sort of device attached to it to, as an ignition. Two of those went off prior to the police arriving. We located at least one more device and our bomb disposal unit uh, neutralized that uh, at the scene. We saw smoke on the second floor and then sprinkler system going and then we're all kind of not sure what to do. People kept telling us to move away from the building and then in about half an hour or so they tell us all to go home. 23-year-old Nazruddin Ali faces one count of arson and one count of possessing incendiary materials. Officials say he is a Langara student and has attended the college for nearly two years. In 2018, he was charged with uttering threats and theft, but the charges were stayed. We're looking into whether or not there's something that there was some flags. Was there anything that we could have done to help prepare for this? or anything we can do in the future to help prevent these sorts of actions. But as of right now, Langara is safe. We don't believe there are any. Officials won't say whether he had any ongoing disputes with fellow students or staff, but sources say he may have sent taunting messages to the college following the fire. It's frightening because, I mean, it's our school, right? So you don't know, like, you don't expect this stuff to happen. It was still a really scary moment for all of us because, I mean, that I could have been in there. Ali remains in custody until his next court appearance Friday. His family says he moved away from home one year ago and they learned of the charges through the media. Tanya Beja, Global News. RCMP are investigating after an 11-month-old suffered a serious head injury at a Langford daycare. It happened last Friday. According to a GoFundMe page set up to support the child's family, the little girl's mother went to pick up her daughter from the daycare and as the young girl sat down for a snack, she started vomiting. The daycare provider then allegedly told the mother of the girl that she had fallen and injured her face. The girl was rushed to a local hospital and then airlifted to BC Children's Hospital in Vancouver.
When a situation like this happens, licensing uh, through the health authority does the investigation and if anybody else needs to investigate, they investigate as well and the ministry supports in any way that's needed. Health officials have confirmed another case of measles on the Lower Mainland. Fraser Health has determined the infection was caught abroad, but the person used public transit here, including the 323 Newton Exchange bus and the Expo line, while they were infectious. For full details, check out our website, globalnews.ca slash bc. This brings the total number of measles, measles infection cases in bc to 22 this year. A warning tonight about the increased risk associated with rush hour driving at this time of year. While it has been dry and sunny, the intense sunlight during rush hour at sunrise or sunset can lead to crashes. The glare temporarily blinding drivers are making it difficult to see the road ahead to watch for potential hazards. Over the last five years, we saw 27 fatalities where sunlight, sun glare was a contributing factor. Visibility is the most important thing to have when you are a driver. When your vision is compromised, you need to slow down, move over, because that's how you can prevent crashes from happening or putting yourself in a dangerous situation. Metro Vancouver home sales dipped in March to the lowest level seen in more than three decades. The Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver reports residential home sales in the region totaled 1,727 in March of 2019. That's a 31.4% decrease from sales recorded last March. And when it comes to the total number of homes currently listed for sale, check out these numbers. In Metro Vancouver, there are 12,774. That's a 52.4% increase compared to March of 2018. Meantime, the province is introducing new legislation aimed at closing a major loophole in our housing market. Currently, buyers can hide their home ownership through corporations or trusts. Richard Zussman explains the impact that's had on our real estate market and the goal of the new legislation. For years, homes in Metro Vancouver have been used to hide wealth, evade taxes and launder money. Now the province is hoping to reveal who has been skirting the rules. We introduced today the first public registry uh, of land ownership in British Columbia that will include corporations, trusts and partnerships. Finance Minister Carol James introducing legislation today including that registry, a first of its kind in Canada approach forcing the disclosure of beneficial owners. If you or I uh, own a piece of land, we have to register with the land registry. We will require that same process for trusts, for corporations, for partnerships. Anyone that doesn't disclose the true owners could face fines of up to $100,000. And according to one housing expert, this loophole has had a lasting impact. Obviously, if people are transferring property uh, through beneficial ownership rather than a transfer of the property, you can get away from transfer taxes if you're wealthy and sophisticated. The Ministry of Finance will be responsible for enforcement. It's unclear how often homeowners are avoiding tax by hiding the true ownership. But one thing is clear, this change will help crack down on money laundering in the housing market. If there is a problem of criminal proceeds uh, flowing through the real estate market, this will make that more challenging. But Green Party leader Andrew Weaver is still concerned about the Bear Trust loophole. That loophole allows corporations to own homes, then sell shares to avoid tax. The new legislation may show who is cheating that way, but can't stop them. The transparency will be there, but it's still not closing that loophole, so you can still avoid 
property transfer tax, but now we know who's avoiding it. The province is hoping to have the registry up and running by next year. Richard Zuspin, Global News, Victoria. Right now, though, crews are still hard at work battling a wildfire in the Squamish Valley. The fire broke out Monday afternoon and grew to 15 hectares overnight. It's suspected to be human-caused. The heavily forested area has a number of farms, cabins and campgrounds, but the fire is burning uphill away from any structures. More than 20 firefighters and a helicopter are fighting the fire, and they are hoping for some help from Mother Nature in the form of rain tonight. There have already been five fires in the coastal region, all of them human-caused, which is unusual for this early in the season. And as we head into what could be another extreme fire season, a dire warning in a new report on climate change. Canada is warming up twice as fast as the rest of the world. And that warming, they say, is effectively irreversible, according to this study. Linda Aylesworth has more on the findings and why Canada's climate change is worse than many thought. Some sobering news from Environment and Climate Change Canada. Our country has the unenviable distinction of warming at twice the rate of the rest of the world. Break it down into regions, and there are even scarier observations coming from our far north. Where, in fact, uh, climate is warming at three times the global average. That's uh, crazy. We didn't really think that the problem was that quite that severe. While the global average is up 0.8 of a degree since 1948, Canada's average temperature has risen 1.7 degrees. The Arctic, 2.3 degrees. The reason? Melting glaciers, snow and sea ice that not only release greenhouse gases, but allow solar radiation to warm the ocean. Climate change is progressing so fast that the Paris Agreement, which strove to limit the rise to 1.5 degrees Celsius, is sounding like pie in the sky. In spite of what politicians might say, um, the changes that are happening are too slow for us to reach the goals that we've agreed on. Canada's Environment Commissioner is also critical of government inaction. Our audits on whether or not we would reduce, achieve our goals on reducing greenhouse gases, we've we haven't achieved those reductions. From my perspective, it's a really important issue. Canada must get ready and it must meet its goals. So what's the holdup? It's a complex problem. It requires change on a scale that we, we've never seen from, from humans, really. And, um, you know, there's a lot of resistance to making those changes. The report warns that the warming has become effectively irreversible. But that doesn't mean we can't reduce the damage by using less fossil fuel. Hunting the ball down the field to another generation is, in my mind, unethical and, and not responsible. And it just amplifies the problem for the next generation and the generation following that. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Some good news for camping enthusiasts who plan ahead. Two popular provincial parks are now accepting reservations. The province says 26 backcountry tent pads will be available for booking at Joffrey Lakes near Pemberton. And those looking to camp at Tweedsmuir Provincial Park will also now require a reservation. The province says it has seen a spike in visitors at both parks in recent years. And it's hoped the reservation system will prevent them from being loved to death.
Well, if you've been unhappy with your wireless or internet service, you are definitely not alone. A new report from the government agency that tracks the communications sector says complaints about online services continue to soar. Our consumer reporter, Andrea, is with us with the details on that. And mm-hmm. Canadians far from satisfied here. Thanks, you too. Canada's independent telecom mediator, the Commission for Complaint for Telecom TV Services, tracked complaints over a six-month period. Here's what the latest stats show. The CCTS accepted almost 10,000 complaints between August 1st, 2018 and January 31st, 2019. That's a 44% increase over the same period last year. Wireless service was the biggest issue, followed by internet and television. The top three problems, incorrect charges, non-disclosure of or misleading information about contract terms and poor service. The top five most complained about service providers were Bell, with 30.9% of all complaints, down from the same period last year. Rogers, with 9.3%, also down. Kojigo with 8%, TELUS with 7.6%, slightly up, and Freedom Mobile with 6.5%, making the shortlist for the first time. Now, we reached out to the providers for comment. Freedom Mobile says it is always committed to doing better. Rogers says it uses customer feedback to continuously improve. TELUS saying it takes every complaint seriously and that it can and will do better. The CCTS also says 92% of the complaints were successfully resolved, but notes that a mismatch between what many customers think they are buying and what they are getting was the focus of the CRTC's recent report on telecom sales practices. And if you have a consumer issue, you can reach me. There's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Comments. What the heck is going on now? What's going on? Whoa, whoa. They're trampling people. A vigil for a murdered rapper turns into a stampede in Los Angeles. Hundreds of people gathered last night outside the store where rapper Nipsey Hussle was shot to death Sunday. They suddenly began running. It's not clear what started the panic, but it may have been sparked by a fight. A number of people were injured. Police have arrested a 29-year-old man in connection with the murder. A Chinese woman has been charged after a security scare at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago club over the weekend. Secret Service says the woman talked her way past security while the president played golf nearby. On Saturday, the Secret Service says a Chinese woman walked up to a security checkpoint at President Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida and said she was there to go to the swimming pool. The Secret Service says she presented two Chinese passports in the name of Yujing Zhang. Mar-a-Lago security said Zhang was the name of a club member and allowed her to enter the compound. But when a resort shuttle picked her up, court documents say she didn't know where she wanted to go. So she was taken to the reception area. According to investigators, she changed her story and said she was there for a U.N.-Chinese-American Association meeting. But no such meeting was scheduled and she was promptly arrested. The charging documents say she claimed a Chinese friend named Charles sent her there to speak with a member of the president's family about American policy toward China. But the Secret Service says it could not find any record of that. And tonight, investigators want to know if it was a spy mission. She was carrying four cell phones, a laptop computer, an external hard drive, and a thumb drive that contained malware. They also note that although she said she was there to go to the pool, she was not carrying a swimsuit. For the second time in a month, a huge fire has broken out at a chemical plant in South Texas. 
The explosion and fire in the community of Crosby near Houston killed one person and injured at least two others. All roads in the area of the plant were closed and a shelter-in-place order was issued for all nearby residents and schools. Just last month, a fire broke out at a chemical plant in Deer Park, about 30 kilometers to the south. New developments tonight in that brazen kidnapping in Ontario last month that saw the victim tased and stuffed into a van, only to resurface unharmed three days later. As Global's Shalima Maharaj reports, a man wanted by police has turned himself in. It's really important for people to keep an open mind. Those were the first words from Abdullahi Adan's defense lawyer as she left court in Newmarket on Tuesday morning. Adan made his first appearance by video link wearing a black Pittsburgh Steelers hoodie, his curly hair pulled back. York Regional Police say Adan turned himself into police Monday night after a Canada-wide warrant was issued for his arrest. They're focused now on the suspects still at large. It's only a matter of time before these three additional suspects are identified, so we're encouraging them now to seek legal counsel and turn themselves in right away. Adan, a 37-year-old Toronto man, has been charged with kidnapping, forcible confinement, assault with a weapon, and assault. Wanjin Liu sustained minor injuries as a result of what happened the evening of March 23rd. Video surveillance in his Markham condo's underground parkade captured three men with their faces partially concealed approaching him. Police say one tasered Liu multiple times before he was forced into a black minivan that fled. He was found three days later in Gravenhurst, a nearly two-hour commute north of where he was taken. The 22-year-old international student who has been studying at Yorkville University has since been reunited with his family. They arrived from China shortly after the alleged kidnapping. Police aren't saying where they are right now out of concern for their safety. Shalima Maharaj, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, a new study says older women might benefit from the use of 3D mammograms. U.S. researchers studied the mammograms of more than 35,000 women whose average age was 72. They had either the standard digital mammogram or a 3D mammogram. While both approaches detected cancer, 3D mammograms were less likely to generate a false positive. The 3D screenings were also more likely to distinguish cancer from benign lesions. Now, it's a first in Canada on this World Autism Day. Flair Airlines is now the only carrier in the country to have its in-flight crew trained to assist guests with autism. As Global's Jill Croteau reports, families say it's an encouraging step towards social change. <laughs> Traveling can be an anxious experience for even the most seasoned flyers, being nervous about getting there on time, navigating crowds, dealing with tension during takeoff. But those worries can get particularly more intense for passengers with some challenges. Well, there's crowds, lineups are particularly hard. Um, anything that's out of the ordinary, ordinary routine, different expectations, having to sit still, lots of strangers. So it can be very difficult. And for a couple of years um, post-diagnosis, we just didn't do it. But they did do it with a lot of preparation. She took her nine-year-old son with autism on a flight to Ontario. There's one annoying thing. When I'm when we start landing, there's like a pain in my ear sometimes. Yeah. To coincide with World Autism Day, one of Canada's low-cost carriers has revealed all of its flight attendants have completed a specialized training course in autism awareness. Flair Airlines wants to eliminate barriers to travel and take away the intimidation of it all. 
It's something that the, the travel industry has been very neglect in doing. Uh, the, the, the frightening thing about travel for an autistic family is that it takes the child out of their comfort bubble, their home. 80% uh, of families with an autistic child when asked, are you likely to take a family vacation next year, will say no. Those who work with children and adults with autism say this is a pivotal change. Parents are also very vulnerable to being judged on how they're dealing with their children and it's not a visible disability so people can make a lot of assumptions and a little bit of accommodation can go a long way for making a person feel like they're valued and capable of experiencing other things that other people take for granted. Flair is looking at recruiting hotels later this spring to partner with them so they can help families familiarize themselves with a getaway experience before they head off to a destination. Jill Croteau, Global News. Iceland get the thrill of their lives when part of a huge glacier collapses. After the forecast, we'll show you how that was just the beginning of their adventure. Running for their lives after that, more like it. Okay, let's check in with uh, Christy right now on an update on this weather and how it's going to be changing soon. Yes, it sure is. In the meantime, though, check out this beautiful shot from uh, Kelly Burgett in Vancouver. Sunrise and blossoms, just a stunning scene. It was a gorgeous day today. Uh, some areas warmed up to 23 degrees, uh, but yes, a change is on the way. I don't know about you, but the spiders are out in my house. I've seen more spiders in the last three days than I've seen. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yes, um, some may say that that means that rain is on the way. We'll talk about how much and how long it'll last. First, though, Grinder and Kula came out this morning, which is really exciting, up on Grouse Mountain. The two grizzly bears there that have been there since they were born, or just after they were born, uh, 18 years. They were both orphaned and transferred to um, the, the Grouse Mountain area, and they've had tw 128 days of dormancy and they're certainly playful in that sunshine. All right, so let's talk about this rainfall that is already starting to push in across Vancouver Island. Lower mainland, I expect it maybe around 11 o'clock, so pushing in through the late part of the evening hours. We'll see it overnight and through our commute to work. It will be a little bit lighter for the commute across Vancouver Island, but Metro Vancouver could be a slow commute. Give yourself some extra time. Uh, we haven't seen a significant rain event for some time now, so the water won't be absorbing into the ground that much. In the afternoon, conditions ease off to just a chance of showers, but we'll still see mainly cloudy skies and the bulk of the action really across the central and southern parts of the province. So Still some sunshine in through the north. Across the south, though, the bulk of the rainfall in the morning and then easing up during the day. The snowfall, or sorry, the freezing level will be at about 1,400 meters, so we could see snow over the mountain passes. But there's the rainfall again. Rain in the morning, easing to a chance of showers in the afternoon. A bit drier on Thursday, but we're right back into rain for the next three days after that. And I'll leave you with another stunning shot. This one from Yaletown, the Sky Train Station there. Thanks to Cheryl for that. I haven't seen this, but it looks looks quite beautiful. It is stunning. Thank you. Great picture. Right down in your hood, too. It isn't is. It? Yeah, awesome. I have seen it, too. But that's a great shot. Mm -hmm. Caught on video now. A group of tourists get a thrill when a massive piece of a glacier collapses into a lagoon in Iceland. Check out the bottom of your TV screen, though. The huge slabs of ice send giant waves rushing towards the shoreline and towards the tourists. The phenomenon is called calving, 
The tourists have been briefed about what to do if it happened, but this one was so big it was still a pretty close call. However, everyone did move immediately and quickly, and no one ended up getting hurt. Bit of a scramble though, for sure. Yeah, yikes. How do you, how do you explain that? Okay, so the iceberg might break, and it'll be a huge wave, and you have to climb over these rocks to get out of the way. <laughs> this ice, too. That was a lot of chunks yeah. of ice, too. Would have been a little slick, for sure. And if it hits you, you don't get your money back. Run for your lives. <laughs> Basically. But over those rocks. Okay, hey. Do uh, it carefully. We're going to talk about the, uh, of course, this is the final Canucks home game tonight. Coming up this weekend, so get your green shirts ready. It's been a long time since we had the whole team together here, uh, but not as long as it's been since the Canucks made the playoffs. Yes. What, four years oh. now? I was a young man then. And <laughs> still are. I remember in my it well. Yes, I just graduated high school. I <laughs> whole world in front of me. Uh, okay, so uh, tonight is the Canucks' final home game mm -hmm. of this season. San Jose is in town. They're going to the playoffs. Um, part of the final home game is always a team awards. So MVP for the Vancouver Canucks, Elias Pettersson or Jacob Markstrom? Those are the two most obvious choices. Although, you know what? They should give some sort of special award to Bo Horvat. He's played every game. He plays with, it seems, different wingers every night. He has taken all the tough face-offs because of all the injuries, especially to Sutter. He should get some recognition. You know what they should do? They should come out and put the C on his chest because that's what they're going to do next year anyway. Now, getting back to the MVP award, personally, I'd have to vote for Markstrom. Just because, as good as Pedersen was, especially in the first half of the year, without Jacob Markstrom, the Canucks would not have stayed in the playoff race as long as they did. Now, what's that? Four straight years without playoffs? Second straight for Travis Green as head coach? But nobody really thought the Canucks would be in the postseason this year. This season was again part of the rebuild. I think when we started the season, we talked about what we wanted to do this year. Um, a, we wanted to develop our players and develop a style of play that we wanted to play. Um, and we wanted to try to play meaningful games down the stretch. Uh, we didn't play them all the way through. Uh, I understand that. I, I think it's exciting where we're going. I hope the fans in the city are as well. I hope they've seen the, the progress and the, and the, the excitement. Montreal still fighting for a playoff spot, just on the outside, trying to chase down Carolina and or Columbus. This does not help kicking the puck in your own net. Mm. Max Domi, no, 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 no. Don't give Steve Stamkos that kind of an easy goal. That made it 1-0 for Tampa Bay. Nate Thompson, though, 1-1. Then, then... 2-1 now for Tampa, but Montreal ties again. Here's a weird goal from behind the net. Yoel Armia bouncing in off Eddie Pasquale, who's playing goal. 2-2 in the third period, so not bad for Montreal against Tampa Bay. Nice outfit. There's the owner. Okay, Leafs, can they help Montreal out by beating Carolina? Let's see. Another goal from behind the net. Banked in from behind the net by Williams. Justin Williams. Bounces this one in from behind the net. And then Sparks gets another one bouncing off of him from basically behind the net. What up? My Montreal's going to be sick to their stomachs the way this is going. Anyway, that's Dougie Hamilton, 2-1 in the third for Carolina. Although the good news for Montreal, Columbus is losing 6-2 to Boston right now. I want to go back to the Canucks. 
for something they did today at the pregame state. Christian Aquilini, son of one of the Canucks owners, Paolo Aquilini, is autistic, and he's been around the hockey team for years, helping the Canucks in various capacities. And everybody associated with the Vancouver Canucks before and now loves having him around. And today the whole organization was excited to let Christian skate with his friends, the Canuck players, before tonight's game with San Jose. Autism affects a lot of people's lives. Uh, you know, I know it firsthand, having a child that has autism, and, uh, you know, it does. It, it affects a lot of people's lives, a lot more people than you think uh, in today's world. I thought it was nice that we could uh, have Christian on the ice today with an optional skate, and it was uh, kind of fitting that today was a day that we had him out. There isn't a day at the rink when you won't see Christian Aquilini smiling. On World Autism Awareness Day, the Canucks surprised the Rogers Arena employee by letting him take the game day skate and be one of the boys. You know, he's around the room all the time and he always puts a smile on the guys' faces, so for him to, to come out and skate with us today was, was pretty special. He's got a really big passion for the Canucks and, and he wants to see us do well. And he's always reminding us that when, uh, you know, when we play well or even when we don't play well that we got to pick it up. So, um, no, it's nice to have him around. Christian was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder at a very young age. In Canada, it's estimated 1 in 68 children have been diagnosed with the disorder. The only numbers or stats that matter to Christian, though, are those of the guys he loves being around. Not only does he know every player's date of birth, he also knows who they scored their first NHL goal against. I had to test him today and ask him uh, about my first goal today. So uh, he knew it was against Philadelphia at, at home. So, uh, you know, but it's, you know, he's such a good kid and, um, you know, he brings a lot of smiles to our faces. And, um, you know, today's a big day for me. Got to come out and skate with us and you can see the smile on his face. He's having an absolute time out there. West Coast Express coming towards you. There the man who made so many highlight reel catches for the Blue Jays will now be making these catches for San Francisco. The Jays traded Kevin Pillar, who used to be a Vancouver Canadian, to the Giants for three players, infielder Alan Hansen, reliever Derek Law, and another pitcher, Juan DePaula. Uh, Pillar is 30, the Jays are rebuilding, so they said goodbye to a guy who really didn't want to say goodbye to Toronto. It's all I've ever known, you know. You know, you spend a lot of time here um, spend more time here than you do in your home in the off season, you know. And I spend more time with people here um, than I do with my own family. So that 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 part of it's hard. And clearly, spring is not meant for football. Today, the Alliance of American Football said they're going to suspend operations after I think only eight weeks into its first season. The billionaire who runs him basically says he's had enough. The league was upset. The NFL Players Association wouldn't let young players under NFL contracts play in the league. But really, not enough fans are interested in spring football downside. Okay, so that's right. A little boy with mobility issues is pretty happy about his one-of-a-kind wheelchair and the young students who designed it. Kevin Timmels tells us how the robotics team at Farmington High School in Minnesota used its ingenuity to give the boy the precious gift of mobility. Come say hi. Meet two-year-old Cillian Jackson, born with a genetic condition that makes getting around tough. Yeah. Yeah. So Dad Tyler shopped an idea to Farmington, Minnesota's high school robotics team. 
we're like, you know what? That'd be a very good idea. <laughs> they took a Power Wheels toy and started tinkering. We added two motor controllers. We added this breadboard. Styrofoam. They custom fit a bike carrier seat and even replaced and reprogrammed the joystick. The entire thing was built in that 3D printer over there. That controls Cillian's... We'll see how good your driving is today. ...new Hot Wheels. Mom Chrissy can't believe her son is now mobile. Hi. They've helped so much. I mean, this really helps him explore like he's never been able to before. <laughs> it was really cool being able to do such an amazing project. As for the prize-winning robotics club... I think we won here more than we do at our competitions. We go again? They're at the controls when it comes to acts of kindness. Kevin Tibbles, NBC News. That's super cool. Yeah. Sure is. They need to make an adult-sized one of those. Uh, okay, last word on weather before we go here. Sure. So the rain will push in late this evening. Uh, the concern would be the morning commute, a bit slow, sure. Um, also, the ground is really hasn't seen a lot of rain, so it may not absorb very well. We could see pooling water on the roads and things like that tomorrow morning. All right. Good morning. Thanks, Christy. Have a good night, all.